Welcome to the latest edition of the Estate Agents podcast. Um, this week, um, or this episode, we've got something slightly different. Uh, we don't have a uh, guest uh, speaker uh, or on the show. Um, we're going to review what we've done so far, but also explain why we're doing this. So why have we got one of the UK's elite estate agency coaches and trainers, uh, a business owner and an estate agent, estate agency branch manager um, from Fetford and what, what we're trying to achieve. So uh, morning, guys. So hello, Stephen. Morning, Luke. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Very good. So and how are you? Fantastic. Thank you. Fantastic. Brilliant. And we've also got uh, Andrew. I think you're over in Fetford again today. Indeed. Yes. Sat in my office. Freezing cold morning. How are you? Yeah, very, very good. Very good. So uh, I would imagine that holiday of yours is a distant memory now. Very dim and distant memory. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, um, Stephen, when um, we started talking, uh, it was only a few weeks, maybe months ago, um, about putting together a podcast for estate agents. What what were we trying to set out and achieve to do? For me, it's to help all the estate agents and letting agents out there um, to have a business owner from a business owner's perspective, um, what's happening in their branch, in their offices, what it's like running a business. Um, from a manager's point of view, again, what it's like running a business, how to how to overcome the different challenges um, that are out there in the current market and, and also a market um, which hopefully will improve. Um, and also for me to try and add value and to and to give something back to people. So being an agent now for I think it's or um, being in the business now for over 30 years um, and having worked as an agent for about 20, 25 years, I now really want to give something back. And I feel this is a great way of giving something back and helping people and and adding value to that. Um, so that's what it's all about for me. Um, when we went over to Eric, um, that was a massive learning curve um, and the speakers out there phenomenal the agents out there were phenomenal and if we can um, help you know just one person in every episode just be better than they were um, before they listen to the episode then that's uh, that's great that's fantastic for me um, what about you Luke yeah so um, I I like to try and share uh, as much information around amongst amongst the industry and, and colleagues within the industry um, don't see them as competitors because uh, you just got to become the best version of you out there and I, I get a real high from just trying to help people so uh, if that means sharing a marketing idea sharing a training idea or sharing an idea as to how we can better um, serve the customer uh, so the vendor and the buyer um, then that's that's my kind of goal and and that I get a real thrill from that um, sad as it sounds but it's something that gives me great satisfaction um, and I know um, Andy's quite um, motivated and and an aim towards serving the customer and making sure the customer gets the best result aren't you Andy? Yeah, for me, um, customer journey um, and uh, the end result are intertwined. Um, I, I just want my customers to have the, the best possible experience. And from a, a manager's point of view, I know that we speak quite regularly, as do a, a number of others. For, for me, um, 
it's it's really important. I look upon the business that I work in as my own business. Um, I work in, incredibly hard, as do do many out there. And um, you know, there, there must be other managers out there that are facing the challenges of the market. And if I can bring something to the table and help them overcome them, um, then uh, you know, it's it's my way of giving a little bit back. It's an industry that that I've served for twenty five years and, and care passionately about. Stephen. That's fantastic. Um, look, you mentioned their challenges. Um, so let's start on that this morning. Um, what do you think the, your greatest challenge is, um, Luke, as a business owner? Um, so from, from a business owner, you've got various different uh, uh, challenges that you have. So uh, one of them is, is just making sure uh, your team are uh, are focused on that same goal that you want to have for your customers and also for the company so they kind of share that vision um, and you bring them on that journey um, I remember when we started on our kind of journey to improve our standards in 2015 um, when we um, got in touch with Julie Nodell um, and it was all about raising standards and and some people were going to be coming on that journey and some people weren't um, and they had that choice but the ultimate aim was to improve the service levels that we were giving to the to the customer and but then it's constantly evolving so it's constantly changing and you're bringing in new ideas and it's trying to make sure that, that gets communicated all the way through to your teams um and sometimes it's it's not being afraid to try new ideas sometimes they're going to be good and, and work sometimes they're not um but don't be afraid to try things because it, it's better to have tried it and found out that it doesn't work than to think all oh, that could have worked. Um, so the big the big thing is making sure you include your team and get them to come up with ideas as well. Um, some, of, some of the best ideas they'll, they'll bring to the table. So um, that is one of the big challenges because you want your vision to be mirrored by everyone else within, within your business. Okay, just again, um, something you mentioned there, Luke, ideas. One of the things that we used to do at Green and Company is we had um, staff suggestion meetings once a month where we would all meet um, maybe at Starbucks, maybe in a pub after work, and we would have a brainstorming session as to where we could improve a business. And then every quarter we would have staff suggestion of a month prize, uh, prize, red letter day prize. And we found that really worked, that really encouraged people to go out and look at what other businesses were doing, what we can learn from those other businesses and um, how we can improve of a business. And we looked at, I don't know if you ever come across the Japanese Kaizen, um, continuous improvement. And we were always trying to find ways to continuously improve um, every system, every process um, we did. Andy, um, your biggest challenge or greatest challenge? I think the biggest challenge for us in the market at the moment is uh, reacting and adjusting to the change in the market. I think it's certainly in my area, and I, I know that you travel the country and there are geographical changes, Stephen, but um, in my area at the moment, uh, the market's a little bit flat. It's uh, Prices are no longer climbing. It's a very price sensitive market. We're certainly finding that those properties coming to the market that are um, line priced are still attracting a healthy level of viewings and uh, decent offers but uh, I'm afraid long long gone are the days that uh, you can stick stick a property on the market at any money and find a buyer for it um, so for us it's uh, 
a process of re-education. Uh, that re-education starts with uh, my staff and colleagues um, and evolves through uh, re-educating vendors, um, perhaps those properties that were on the market for you know, 12, 13 weeks, which is unusual. We were turning properties in an average of two and a half weeks back nine months ago. Um, average time on market now is about six weeks. Uh, and obviously, with the turn in the market, we had some vendors that were caught up in, in that change of the market. It was a, a case of re-educating price adjustments. Um, to give you an example, I, I was on my annual leave. I think I returned the Tuesday or Wednesday after the bank holiday in August. And um, we had a, a mindset meeting with the team. Uh, following day, uh, vendor calls uh, achieved eight price reductions and, and six of those are, are now in our sales pipeline. Obviously, if we hadn't had that conversation, we hadn't had those conversations, sorry, with uh, with our vendors and, and got those price adjustments, they uh, invariably would have uh, run the course of sole agency with ourselves and uh, probably been picked up or snapped up by um, a, a shrewd agent, uh, uh, one of my competitors as a second time instruction. And, it would, you know, they'd be in their pipeline now, not mine. So um, that's our biggest challenge. Okay. Um, you talked about um, price, adjust uh, price adjustments. Um, how are you finding educating the vendors? Are they... Um, do they understand um, exactly what's going on in the market? And again, what's really interesting is that you are prepared to have those fierce conversations. What I'm seeing is some agents just aren't prepared to have those conversations um, and hence um, they're most probably suffering as a result. And just one further question on that, Andy. Um, I used to be a firm believer, and I still am, about face-to-face -face meetings. Um, to have these conversations. Is that something you're doing as well? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's a, it's a mix of both. And, and listen, you know, we're all in the, the real estate gym. Um, and one of the key phrases that I take away from that and, and, and educate my team on on a regular basis is uh, a listing is a liability until it's sold. Uh, and what I mean by that is, of course, if we take a listing onto the market, we're spending um, huge amounts of money and time invested in that property. Um, and until it's banked, it is a liability to the business. Um, and as I said earlier, I care about the business as if it were my own. So for me, pipeline and conversion are essential. Um, in terms of having a conversation with a vendor, um, if, if a property doesn't sell, it is only ever one of two reasons, uh, as, as we all know, it's price or it's promotion. Now, um, I pride myself in, in, in giving my clients the very best promotion available out there. In fact, uh, recently we got our uh, right move report from the best estate agent guide where, where obviously my office placed fifth in the country. I'm hugely proud, but some of the key takeaways from that are we are uh, selling our properties 30.7% faster than the competitors in our area. We're generating 58% more leads. So the conversations with my vendors are very, very simple you know, um, and, and they're structured. So when a property comes to the market, it's agreed that we'll have a weekly conversation. We'll talk about uh, levels of activity, viewing inquiries, responses, uh, viewing responses, why people have viewed the property. Uh, incidentally, it's, it, it's as critical to relate to your vendor at these key stages, why people have declined a viewing on a property because that information is as critical to a vendor's decision and thought-making process as, as to uh, somebody that's viewed the property and perhaps either liked it or not liked it. Um, I set up 
uh, a set to sell meeting before a property comes on the market. They'll get weekly calls and to touch on your point about face to face. If we get to four weeks on the market and the property hasn't sold, that's when I'll go and have a face to face meeting. Um, in terms of having the conversation, well, listen, you've got two choices, guys. You can you can either have the conversation, uh, you can re-educate your vendor. Um, look, the, the, the reason that the vendor has chosen you is because they, they trust you to deliver the result. And if they trust you to deliver the result, they trust in your expertise. It's no good taking a property onto the market and shying away from the awkward conversations, because if you do, that property will simply be banked in somebody else's pipeline. And let's face it, we don't come to work every day to be second best. So um, having those critical conversations, um, having those set to sell meetings, you know, the vendor's got to know what to expect. Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, when you come to the market with us, you will receive a telephone call once a week. If we get to four weeks and, and for, for some reason or another, the property hasn't sold, it is absolutely critical that we sit down and agree a strategy moving forward. If you're having those regular communications, 48 hour viewing feedback, um, you're having the weekly uh, vendor care call and then you're having the face-to-face -face meetings. You're in a position where that vendor trusts you. And if that vendor trusts you, they trust that you're making the right decision for them and not your business. Perfect. Thank you. Luke? Um... Brilliant. Um, and well done for achieving fifth place in the country, Andy. Um, I know you work exceptionally hard and your team work exceptionally hard. Um, just something we found of uh, great use when we're um, arranging viewings um, and feeding back to our vendors is sometimes it, the offers aren't coming in on a property and, and um, we with a recent training session we had and Tom with Tom Panos actually where he highlighted it if there's no offers they blame the market if there's low offers um, so if there's no offers, they blame the agent. If there's low offers, then they blame the market. Um, and for a period of uh, about two years now, we've been obtaining price feedback. Um, so regardless of whether or not that buyer wants to buy the property, they've taken the time to go and view it. They've taken the vendor's time. They've maybe taken our time in, uh, in a company of viewings. So we need to make sure that we're getting good for a feedback for that vendor because there's no point having oh it's not the right size or they didn't like the area the property's not moved since they inquired about the property so what is it what's the real reason as to why they don't want it but equally where do they feel that property sits on value now that's not to say that they're going to be right but um with that with that price feedback you can at least give that information to the vendor and sometimes it can be difficult to extract that information, but if you explain it to those potential buyers, and those don't forget those potential buyers could also be your potential vendors of the future by saying, well, everyone that we ask that comes through the property to have a look, um, we just want to know where that property sits, where, what's your opinion on its value? Um, do, do you feel it's the right price? What, what, what number would yours be um, if you were to buy that property? Uh, would you be a buyer at X price? Um, because then when you are giving that feedback to the vendor, then you can give that information, but equally you can put that information into a report then so that when you are having those sit down meetings or face to face meetings or over the phone, you can even picture that onto a chart to say, look, from the 20 viewings, this is where the feedback is. We've not had any offers, Mr. And Mrs. Vendor, but this is what the market's saying. And at the minute we aren't aligned with that feedback. So, 
we've got a couple of options that we can do. We can keep holding out or do we realign your price with what the market is suggesting at this moment in time? And we're finding that is working particularly well um, to give that information back to the vendors. But it's also then making sure that your colleagues can uh, scratch away at the surface to get that thorough feedback because quite often one of the most common um, complaints we have from properties that we're taking over is that the lack of feedback or the lack of constructive feedback and it's just that standard can't get hold of someone don't like the size well the sizes haven't changed since you've looked at it on on the brochure online so what is the real reason as to why they don't want to uh, make an offer or take their interest further I think also Luke there it's really important because sometimes a purchaser will view a property and they do actually like it. It ticks the boxes. But if it's the price that's prohibitive, having a switched on leg in the office that will follow up that viewing and, and, and read those signs and, and spot those signs and then say, well, look, Mr. Purchaser, is there a price at which that property becomes attractive to you? Sometimes you'll then get that offer and that offer is something to work with. And, and I think these are the little 1% marginal gains that Stephen talks about on a regular basis that can be the difference between a deal in the pipeline and a deal that walks away into another agent's office. And, and I know where I'd prefer it. Oh, Stephen, no, absolutely. absolutely. Sorry, Stephen, you work up and down the length and breadth of the country. What I'm really interested to um, hone in on are what, what variances are you seeing in the market at the moment? <laughs> That's a really interesting question because I'm seeing, so I've had a few conversations where people are, are having their record months, despite the incredibly challenging market. Um, and some are just, you know, it's awful, it's horrendous. Um, we're thinking about getting rid of people. What do we do? We need to cut this cost. We need to cut that out. Um, and it's really comes down. There's real mixed messages. So Where, what do you attribute that to Stephen? Mindset. 100% mindset. Yep. So, um, I look, you can't control what's going on, um, the, with Brexit, um, and external events but you can control what's going on in your own area. You can control um, who's out there looking to buy, um, who's your most motivated buyer, go and find them something. Who's your most motivated seller? You know, go and work with them um, to bring them buyers to that, to that property. There's loads of opportunities out there. Um, what excites me actually is that I think agents can do a lot better if they are just doing the basics a lot better. Um, and what I mean by that is better qualifying questions, better registration, spending more time with people to really understand their needs um, and why they're looking and why they're looking to buy. There's loads of opportunities out there, but you've got to make the most of them and you've got to believe that you can do it. So you can, con you can control your mindset you can make things happen but you have to um, focus on the things that are going to do that and not concern yourself with external influences because you've got no control over those control the controllables what i'd really like to drill down on Stephen, you gave me some fantastic advice at the beginning of this year and certainly in the middle part of the year when the market started to turn and that was to look for off-market deals now we've agreed uh, this year six off-market deals 
Um, do, do you explain a little bit to our listeners about those? Look, it's all about knowing who your buyers are. So when I go on to um, my training courses, one of the questions as I ask is, can you let me know who your five hottest buyers are? And a lot of the agents really find that a challenging question, challenging question, which I find quite strange, but that's by the by. So let's take, for example, um, and it could be any road. So let's just say London Road. So you've got a buyer who specifically wants a property in London Road, and it may be a three bed house. Now, if you've been going for quite a while, um, potentially you've seen a lot of properties in London Road. So I would get on the telephone and I would call those properties in London Road and have a conversation with them just to see whether they're happy in their place, whether they would, could consider selling. And if they would consider selling, um, at what price would that be? And by ha having that conversation, opening the door, you may find it, you get that on, you may not. But let me, again, let me share with you a story um, when I was at Green & Company. So I had somebody come into the um, office. They were looking for a particular property in a particular road for rentals. It was a three-bed property. Um, it was in South Hampstead. I went through all our database. So these are withdrawn. These are let by. These are previous market appraisals. These have been sold by us. And I called every single one of those people and it was literally my 40th call. Um, that property, she said, yep, um, I've got the exact thing you want. I've just put it on with one of your competitors. I asked if I could get a one-off viewing. She said yes, and we ended up letting it, and it actually turned out to be a three-year deal. So the opportunities are there. Um, and one final story. I had one negotiator at Green and & Company and 75% of his business was done off market. So he knew who his buyer was. He would phone up um, people in the database. He would get a one-off viewing and the deal would be done. So the point is you've got so many opportunities sitting there. Um, get on the phone, make those calls. Um, it only takes one to say yes, and then you're putting one in your pipeline. And as Andy, as you alluded to, it's all about these little one percenters. And these little one percenters make a massive, massive difference every single day. Yeah, I guess that's the message. It's proactive and not reactive in this market, isn't it, Luke? Yeah, no, no definitely. And um, I just wanted to... Um, touching on a couple of bits that that you've kind of mentioned there and i mean stephen why um why do you think people don't know their clients um because it's 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 a big battle that probably goes on everywhere i'm sure you see it um at a lot of agencies but why do you think people like the old days where you used to have a hot box on the, on your desk you had your applicant cards you knew your buyers better then so oh, what why... the days. <laughs> <laughs> so um so what why why do you think that is Stephen? comes down to training yeah yeah so um, so my you know my question would be to everybody out there a new starter starts what happens you know, do are they just thrown in in the deep end? Right, here's a phone, here's your computer, just get on with it, which I see far too often. Or do people actually sit down and give them proper training? Um, and maybe they role play on each other before they yeah. go out to, before they go out to the public. 
you know, and they refine their skills. But it's all yeah. about asking the right questions, registering properly, qualifying properly. Um, and it does, you know, I think it's simple, boils down to training. You know, you're you're investing, you know, you're, you've got a great team member, but if you don't give them the training, if you don't give them the backup um, in order to help them, that's where so many opportunities get missed. You know, and, and I accept, you know, you're, and as an agent, you're incredibly busy. I mean, it's crazy. I remember working in West Hampstead in between three stations and I will work from seven o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock in the evening. And I don't feel I get got any work done. You know, people will come in nonstop. The phones wouldn't stop ringing, um, which is great. Lovely problem to have. Um, but I wanted to give exceptional customer service and I didn't feel I was able to do that. And at times I felt it was like, oh my, you know, I've got somebody coming in, a first time buyer, feels like they've come into a boiler room because they've got 10 of us shouting, screaming, speaking to, and it's crazy, but you've got to give people time. You know, people, people are buying and again, whether they're buying, selling, renting, whatever, whatever it is, you know, this is the biggest purchase potentially they could ever make. Um, And yet how much time do we give them? No, definitely. Uh, as, as, as agents. Yeah. Um, so it's it's asking better qualifying questions. It's spending more time on the phone. Um, it's training your staff yeah. um, for me. Yeah, no. And uh, I think that's, that's important to say that that training doesn't stop after they've joined. And I was just going to touch on a couple of bits. And I think Andy alluded to this earlier with his, um, with his comments where just use your morning meeting, just take up five, 10 minutes, practice uh, the dialogue that you're going to be having with with those vendors. So we recently did a review and an audit of all of our properties, or we've started anyway, to to see who's motivated, who's not motivated, but how can we get those ones that aren't motivated to be motivated? What, where do we need to get the promotion right? What do we need to do to the property? Is it where we need to look at refreshing things or does the vendor need to look at refreshing things? Let's put our heads together. Let's all have an open conversation about it rather than it just falling down to being, because we dedicate a property manager to each property to look after that vendor. So they have one point of contact uh, for consistency, but, where can we help them get them sold to get them moved on in in their life to their next property because they've got their dreams and hopes and aspirations of of moving on and and we want to help them with those dreams and by doing that exercise which i'd recommend anyone everyone does uh, coming up to christmas is just do a review of your current stock available um find out Get, get someone else to review it. So maybe someone that's not dealing with the property, get them to look at it from the customer's perspective. Go on to Rightmove, go on to Zoopla or go onto your own website. Are the photos okay? Is the photos still maybe one from earlier on in the year if it's been on that market that long? Um, some some photos I've seen recently, not with ourselves, but they've still got snow. Well, it didn't snow last time it snowed. was at the beginning of the year. So what's that showing to a potential buyer? So that's that's a, an interesting exercise that you can do as part of your morning meeting. You don't have to rush out and, and suddenly employ the services of a trainer. And you can do these little 1% gains every morning to help uh, improve your sales rate, but ultimately give that service to the owner. Can I can I just add one one thing on to that because I think morning meetings are absolutely huge. Um, they set the tone and the agenda for the day. 
And uh, again, there are a lot of agents out there that don't do morning meetings that are missing opportunities. And Luke, I totally agree with you. A morning meeting, not you know every day, but maybe once a month presents a great opportunity to role play, practice on your colleagues um, before you go out for real. Well, why would you allow them to practice in front of a customer? You want them to practice in front of each other so that they've perfected it before they they go out um, to then uh, play with the customer to, to to serve the customer. It's like Roger Federer; he practices his shots time and time again. He probably spends best part of twelve hours a day practicing so that when he's playing for two three hours at a time, all of those shots are perfect. Hundred percent. And I think, guys, look, you know what? We're, we're eight weeks now, nine weeks, eight weeks away from Christmas, and I think. It's uh, the dreaded C word. I think every business owner, every manager of an office dreads the C word. I think our job is now to keep our our colleagues um, and our businesses on track, keep motivated, as as Tom Panos alluded to last week. You know, Christmas doesn't start until the 21st of December. We've got seven or eight weeks now to really set the stall for 2019. And I think, Luke, you've got a um, really fascinating and cracking idea for the new year, which I know we're going to share with Mm. you in in another episode um for now though guys and girls thanks ever so much for listening um stephen luke have an excellent weekend look forward to a productive week next week and we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast thank you thank you see you late next time bye